When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. The Premier League season is up and running. We are convening a matter of hours after Chelsea have just drawn 1 1 with Liverpool. You're hearing this obviously first thing in your feeds Monday morning. Joining me on the pod to discuss this game, as well as another just crazy week at Chelsea Football Club, is Jessica Frotter. Uh, Jess, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. And, and like you, your pronunciation of my name gets better every time. So. Well, you'd like Amazing. to think so after I've had you on however many times. You'd like to think I'm gradually, it's gradually getting yeah, better. Yeah, it's perfect. Perfect, perfect. Um, as always, Thank you guess, for having me on. It's a pleasure, Jess. As always, you guess, tell them where they can find you. Because, I mean, people I mean, people will know that Jess sort of grown a bit on Twitter this this summer. So, but Jess, tell people where they can find you for, for all your tweets. Yeah, I just, I, I, I think I've grown from renting too much, maybe. But uh, you can find me at... F-R-O-T-A. Lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. And I said, listeners will remember that Jess very kindly uh, gave you guys the lowdown on our Brazilian trio or seemingly imminent trio uh, on the season preview pod last week. And some, I don't know, some will probably say that was the best part of that, <laughs> that very, very long, long podcast. But let's get into it. Chelsea kicked off their Premier League season this Sunday afternoon with a 1-1 draw against Liverpool and Jess I'll just be brutally honest that's probably the happiest I've been watching a Chelsea match for far too long uh which probably just gives in a, a state uh an indicator to how poor last season was but I came out of that ground delighted with what I saw I saw a team that I could not fault any single player's efforts I feel like every single player gave their all I could not really fault many players performances I thought they were probably all close to seven or seven out of tens or or just above, and it was just really nice to see a team that was fun, was brave, and ultimately 
didn't crumble at the first sign of things going wrong, which we saw far too often last season with Chelsea going a goal down last year. You often felt, right, that's it, it's game over. Whereas we've already, first game of the season, we've come back from a goal down to get a point against the Liverpool side. And we can maybe, we've maybe come out of that thing, actually maybe a tiny bit disappointed we didn't go on to get the win. But Jess, what were your thoughts on Mauricio Pochettino's opening game as Chelsea manager? Um, it, it was kind of, as always with with Chelsea, it was kind of a roller coaster because starting with the lineup, we knew about the the injuries that we had, but um, and even knowing that Pacino, uh used the tree at the back, back at Spurs, um, I wasn't particularly expecting it for the first game. I thought he would, you know, he would stick with the four at the back because of the preseason. So I was a little bit, a little bit surprised with that because I didn't think that he would put. I think I'm sorry if I'm butchering his name because. I, I can deal with English names and, and, and Portuguese names, but so I think it's Dizasi how you yeah. say it, but I'm sorry if it's not. I was not expecting him to, you know, to start playing so soon because of, of how late he came in the preseason. So it was a bit of surprise, but I couldn't understand um, why he went with it after I saw Liverpool's lineup. Um, the midfield obviously is a little bit open, but attacking forced, so it made sense to try to be a little bit more compact because we didn't have a senior DM with us. Um, so that was my first, okay, not what I wanted, but let's see what happens. And then the game started, the match started and actually we looked really, really poor in the beginning. Uh, We were dominated for about 20, 25 minutes. Um, but after that, like we went one nil down, we found a go with Desazi. And after that, it was fantastic. We started dominating them, dominating the actions. We saw the fight and we really grew into the match. The 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 ending of the first half was great. Uh, Carney Tukomenka started playing a little bit better. I think he started really poor, but then he just grew into it. And uh, we, we could see, you know, the, the Carnes that we are used to. Connor was the same. Uh, he felt a little bit uncomfortable in the beginning, I think, in, in the pivot. Under pressure, and he and Tiago, Tiago was finding him in places where he wasn't a pressure and I was, it was a little bit uh, stressful to deal with, but then he just grew and grew. And I actually ha- I think he had a very, very solid match. The second half was fantastic. And as you said, if anything, I felt we deserved to win more. Um, the, the, the draw ended up being, I think a fair result because of how poor I think we were in the beginning, but by the end of it, we could just see players that wanted to play for us, players that were giving um, they're all, and above anything else for me, the most incredible was the identity, right? We saw system, we saw, you know, the, the, the passes, the, the way that we were trying to play out from the back with, with Levi, absolutely fantastic. We just saw, uh, uh, technicalities that we didn't see before, even if there were some things that, that we need to adjust going forward in terms of position of certain players. But I think, there were a lot more positives and negative, and it actually made me really excited for the season to come. So kind of a, a continuum from, from the preseason. Yeah, absolutely. Chelsea had 65.4% possession against Liverpool uh, this evening. The fourth highest any team have managed against them in the Premier League since Jurgen Klopp's appointment in October 2015, and the most by any team by Manchester City since February 2018. Now, look, possession is not everything, but that also does go a decent indicator as to the actual man- control that Chelsea did manage to exert, particularly in that second half. Jess, as you mentioned, it was a shaky start, perhaps unsurprisingly, given that we were seeing Robert Sanchez in goal, who was probably not even expected to be playing. Dezazi thrown in, who, again, forgive me, people, dates. I'm pretty sure that he signed basically after that final preseason game, so he wouldn't have actually... That was his first real time with the team, playing a free-back. 
it was kind of understandable but at the start we would we would struggle we'd be under pressure and just see that's where you see the brilliance of a team like Liverpool the first goal I mean it is a sensational pass from Mohamed Salah whatever people think about Reese Dezazi who is to blame for that goal and again I've not seen the goal back fully so I do not know if Robert Sanchez should do better I'm kind of wary that when his ball's in that position I'm kind of thinking the striker probably should score most times anyway um but I guess that was just a sign that, yeah, okay, this could be quite difficult because that was, we just saw in that moment, the brilliance of Liverpool and I guess the shakiness of that Chelsea team because, as I said, a couple of times, Liverpool, particularly in about 20 minutes, they did get in behind a bit too easily, didn't they? Yeah, 100%. Um, but I think, as, as you said, we had a lot of players playing together for the first time and playing in a new system for the first time, even if they were um, obviously training with that system. They, they didn't play any preseason games with a back three, back five. So it, it was, you could see it. It looked like players that were not used to playing in that system with each other. And I saw, obviously it's Twitter, but I saw a lot of people singling out certain players. Oh my God, this is horrible. And it's just, as you said, there are so many circumstances. And, and throughout the game, I think every single player grew into the game, not only us as a team, but every single player started being more comfortable, started understanding more their roles. Um, and as you know, I, I was I was very pleased with it. I, I I won't lie, I was very, very afraid in the beginning of the match. Uh like concern. I was like, okay, maybe we need something radical, right? A radical change, go back to the back four, you know, something they're used to and try to throughout the games change a little bit more. Um if if Pac wants to try a back three, but for now, I was like, okay, maybe Pac just needs to put the, that back four and just go with it. But uh, thankfully, I was completely wrong and we grew into it. And obviously, you have players like Diaz and, and Salah who will um, thrive you know, in the back of the fullbacks and all of that. But then Pochettino um, later on was talking about how in actuality, like even if we were like a 3-5-2, um, most of the times he wanted almost like Levi Cowell to be a, a fullback, to be the left-sided fullback. So um, it makes sense that we had a lot of space there because of, you know, Thiago Silva can't offer the, um He's not that fast anymore. So in terms of the cover and also shows that Chilwell's plan was just having Chilwell very, very forward. So that left us with a lot of space in that area. But I think it was to be accept, uh, expected and also Again, throughout the game, we saw players trying to cover that space. Even Nico Jackson once was playing at almost like a DM, going back and trying to to cover that space. And I think if you look at that, at how we play, you look at players like Enzo Fernandez having that sort of freedom and just going forward that we know we're going to get a DM. It just makes you excited. Okay, when we have that player, we can see the way that we want to play moving forward. And that makes me really happy. Yeah, Liverpool thought they made it 2-0 when Mohamed Salah went for E4. He continued his excellent opening day run. But thankfully, VAR came to our aid. And Jess, I guess that was probably the turning point. Because you think at that moment, Liverpool go 2 up. There is a slight fear that the floodgates might open and it could go horribly wrong. But it gets ruled out. And that sort of just gives Chelsea... It lifted the crowd and then it just gave Chelsea belief. And then not long after, about seven minutes later, their level. Axel Dezarsi, who maybe some will think at fault for the part of fault for, for Liverpool's opener. And that's not a bad, not a bad way to sort of redeem yourself and not a bad debut to make. You know, there were questions about his signing. Was he necessarily needed? We've got Trevor Chalabar here. But that's not a bad way to start off your Chelsea career. He's in the box at the right time. You know, Chilwell heads on. And there he is. Uh, you know, a scrappy finish. 
but it's a finish nonetheless. And it, and it puts us 1-1, and that just gives us, that just gave that team life, as we saw very quickly when we fought Ben Chilwell and put us 2-1 up moments later. Yeah, and when, and as you said, uh, last season, there was so many instances where we just capitulated after going, you know, one nil down, two nil down, and we didn't see that today. It was quite almost like the opposite. Um, and, and that fight, uh, th- that belief is something, you know, people say, oh, it's just, you know, passion. It's not, you know, it's not ability, but it matters in sports, not only in football. It does. It matters. The belief, the need to fight. Um, otherwise, you know, why would you have a captain to begin with? I'm not saying that's the only job of a captain, but it is a big part of, you know, putting, you know, showing your players, picking up your players and, and making sure that they're going to fight for the badge. They're going to fight for the results. And you just, you see it on the pitch and you see it outside of, of the pitch, I think, with this squad. And that, again, just positive signs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so we're going to half-time 1-0. The game does finish 1-0 again, both sides, again, in that second half, also missing some chances. But as I said, I came away a full-time really happy with what I'd seen. I thought, as I said on this pod last week, I didn't think we would win this game today. I thought we'd probably maybe draw or lose it. And I, I was very pleased to, to come away with a draw against Liverpool. Whatever people think of this, maybe not the Liverpool of old, they're still a very good team. They've still got very, very good attackers and they are, you know, they are going to be hoping that they can have a big season. That is one of our tougher games out of the way. Early on, you know, for all the talk of Liverpool, you know, and their squad not having to, this was a, you know, a make, you know, a Chelsea team with Robert Sanchez, who maybe 24 hours ago wasn't even expecting to to start this game. A lot, you know, this is Chelsea team about Christopher and Kunku, who we'll get on to. Like, there was a lot to be encouraged about. And that's probably the happiest I've been as said with a Chelsea performance in far too long. Certainly a Premier League performance, probably since maybe close to a year ago in that two-all draw against Tottenham. It's genuinely just feels forever ago. Um, and that was just really nice. And just there were just so many positives. I mean, you talked about Levi Colwell, and Poch sort of said as sort of as a, as a fullback. I thought, again, maybe like a few hours, maybe a tiny bit shaky start, but I thought after that he was exceptional, brilliant defensively and a key, key role offensively as well. Going forward a lot, playing some really key passes, whereas that was really, really encouraging to see from Levi on his Chelsea debut. Yeah, yeah a I lot mean, of hype huge... around him, a lot of expectation after what went on at Brighton, and he more than showed, yes, this is why this is why people are big on me. Yeah, he he showed once again. I think he's just a friend. You know, he's he's a class player. There are certain players that you you watch and you just see almost like an X factor. You know, like a vision is they they see the game in a different way. They, they understand it. They And, and Tiago has that. And he talked about it in, in a couple of interviews uh, back in Brazil uh, a couple of years ago, how, especially with the defender, you have to read the game almost ahead of time, right? And, and you can see that Levi has that. And I think it's so important. He is, as you said, incredible going forward, finding, um, sp- uh, you know, the, those passes. And I think he will be a major weapon for us, finding passes like for players like Mudrik, like, Sadly, Nkuku, but <laughs> um, the other half of the season and, and Nico Jackson, I just think he's he reads it very well. He knows how to position himself very well. And I'm just very excited. He is our present and I'm very, very sure that he's going to be our future as well. Yeah, I want to see there were so many exceptional responses. I do want to get through them. Jess, I've got to talk about the midfield. I mean, Enzo Fernandez. Absolutely outstanding I thought today look there were a couple of times towards the back end of last season I thought he did struggle a bit in certain big games I think of Real Madrid and Bernabeu I thought he really struggled but that was probably one of his poorest games and the other obviously you know talk we're not getting the best out of him today honestly that felt probably one of the best ends of performances 
Enzo Fernandez performances I can just remember in a Chelsea shirt. You're just watching him, and at times it's like he's got the ball glued to his feet at times, but he's just got that perfect mix of that technical ability, that physicality, and sort of just like to use that cliche, like he's got that dog in him. Like he he just has because he's just so he just gets stuck in, and he, you just felt like any time he got the ball, just felt super comfortable, super composed, sp- spraying passes left right. That was just a really comfortable performance from, him. and also probably his job made considerably easier by Conor Gallagher, who I thought after a shaky start again, really grew into that game and was absolutely outstanding. And for people who listened to the pod last week, remember Tom Cody was adamant that we should not be letting um, Conor Gallagher go. No player on the pitch won possession more times than Conor Gallagher 10 during that game against Liverpool. And, you know, by doing that, it just allowed Enzo Fernandez to get on the ball. Enzo himself won possession twice. He won six of his duels. But seven crosses in, created two chances, two through balls. Like that, though those two particularly just worked really, really well together as time went on in that game, didn't they? And it was encouraging, considering as we said, this was Chelsea were without you know an actual a DM, a proper natural DM in this game. At one hundred percent. This is funny. Um, you know this obviously, and but I don't. I don't know if a lot of people will know. I am Brazilian, and I joke a lot about you know players from Argentina because of the rivalry, and. Um, you know, it hurts me to say it, but it hurt me before. And I said it before when people were saying that the fee was too much for him because I had followed him um, since he, he was back in Argentina. And I was just adamant that we should pay the fee because he is that good. And I remember, as you said, there were a couple of games where he he had to be very close to the center backs. And that's obviously not his best role. And people were doubting it. I was like, wait a minute, wait until he's allowed to roam free. And I think maybe today was the, the the first game that we saw him at his, you know, preferred position, a uh, preferred position. And he just looked dangerous. You just felt like he could, you know, get something out of his, out, out, out of a bag almost at times. And you just felt that something could change at any minute. And that's just the magic with him. He's a magical player. And uh, I even tweeted this today. Um, I'm going to get a kid with his name on the back, you know, me, Brazilian, that always jokes that, you know, I have obviously Argentinian friends, but we always joke about it, not in football. We're not friends in football. And I'm going to get an Argentinian player on my, you know, on the, on the back of my kit. And that's just how good he is because he's phenomenal. I I think alongside Bruce James, he is our, our best player. I genuinely believe so. Yep. And just and just some thoughts on Connor, because I said, there's a lot of talk that he might go. He still might go. But that was a, a hell of a performance from him. And if that is a goodbye then thank you. I'll be very disappointed because off the back of that, clearly there's clearly there's got to be a role for him to play and Poch seemingly quite likes him in pre-season. And, and look, we're not saying Conor Gallagher will be starting every week, but he is a type of player who you can get 30, who, you can, who will just quietly go on the road and go, oh, that guy played 30 or 40 games for us this season and, and did, his, did, you know, did his role well. And there will be times where we need him. And I guess that was just really, just a really, really good form to Conor. I mean, that was, for me, that's probably one of his best performances I can remember in a Chelsea shirt. That was I just thought he was absolutely brilliant. And you know, the fans of the of the ground absolutely loved it. See, so he his name was sung a lot today and he was serenaded a lot and he absolutely deserved it. I thought he was he was brilliant in alongside him. I think with Khan is 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 funny because I really never I never really saw him as a as a part of the pivot. I really like him when he's a lot closer to the goal because I think he's a threat there. Uh, you know, his long shots are, are great. He knows how to hold the, the ball with his back turn and it just you know, offers those very long, beautiful long shots. Um, so, and as you said, he started very shaky, but I think 
it's hard to point out out of the Chelsea squad who didn't start shaking this game. So I'm just going going off from after the 25-minute mark. And he, as you said, he was great. He was solid. He was consistent. He The tackles were great. He allowed Enzo to have that freedom, and that's what we wanted. Um, so, yeah, I think he's, he's great. He is a valuable squad player, in my opinion. And for me, is about if you sell him, let's say you sell him for 40, for you know, 45, whatever, can you get a player for that amount that can offer what he offers for your squad that is as consistent as he is? So there are a lot of questions, I think, in terms of squad building um, that, that need to be answered. Um, I think he might leave because of the pure profit and how much they're offering for Caicedo, and we have to see how things will unfold. But if it was just about the football, I think the smart thing would be to keep him at this point because I do believe that he can play a little bit forward as well. He can cover multiple positions. He has that connection to the club that I think a lot of people take for granted, and it's very underrated. But it just, as a fan, is great to, to see someone just give it all for your club and, and to understand what it means to play for Chelsea. And I think he is that. And I think we need to value that as well. Um, and as you said, he is not going to be someone who, if he's playing, we're going to be awful. No, he offers something. He he does what he does very well. And I think he can grow even more under Pochettino's guidance. I think he has already shown that he can adapt because as I said, I didn't see him playing the pivot before and he, sh he has shown me that he can um, and he offers stability there as well. So I'm just going to, I'm going to try to not be too critical and just see how the squad looks at the end of the window. But in my opinion, there's definitely a, a space for him with us. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, um, Jess, obviously, we heard the disappointing news in the week, but Christopher Nkunku's injury is worse than first feared. He will be out basically till December at the earliest, probably seeing him sometime in the new year. Obviously, just... I think we kind of saw certainly straight away the impact of that, but we did play a free back today. I think that was clear. I think if Nkunku had been available, we would not have seen a free back. I think we would have very much been a four. And I think going free back as well, Nkunku is probably the biggest, was such a creative loss for Pochettino is probably thinking, right, free back, solidity, and our wing backs in Reese and Chile are going to do that. And obviously Levi playing sort of as that fullback role will as well. Just Jeff, your thoughts on how big a blow that is, why we, why we can't have nice things. And then on that, Carney Trukameka kind of is a lucky recipient of the fact that Nkunku's injured, that he gets the start. Was though, you know, I thought was was a beginning of the start a bit shaky, gets gets booked early on for a for a high foot. 
Um, you kind of a bit worried from that point, but I think like a lot of players just slowly grew into the game and maybe he did play a bit safe at times, but again, understandable, he's not played a huge amount of Premier League football. And again, that was just quite an encouraging performance to see from someone who, you know, you'd think maybe just have, we'd have think would have a squad roller here this season. And again, against Liverpool in a big game, you know, he didn't look out of his depth really. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as Unkuko, it is, in my opinion, a huge loss because I would, I would have said that he was our best signing by a mile because he is transformational, right? He offers so much going forward. He's just creative. He's a spark. He was, you know, we saw how he was understanding, you know, the, the under, how he and Nico were finding each other and, and the understanding between the two of them. So it was actually one of the things that I was looking forward to the most. And because we we are, we already had to wait for six months, right, for him to be announced. And now we have to wait for probably more six months to, so it's like a year of waiting. So that sucks. Um, and in terms of who are the winners, I think Carney obviously, you know, is, is the immediate winner. But I also think maybe if Connor stays, he can also be a, a winner there. Um, a lot of people are saying that we are going after an attacking uh, attacking midfielder because he is injured, and I don't think that's the case. The the links were there to players like Lise Kudos before Nkuko was injured, so I think we would sign at least one of them, even if Nkuko was not injured. Um, but you know, obviously there are more minutes um, for the younger players to to share. I would say even Matson, who can play pretty much anywhere on the pitch, um, and as for Carney, I think. He took a little bit longer to to feel comfortable, I think. Um, I think just by the very end of the first half that you could see him just embrace what he knows to do. But again, second half was great for him. And I also want people to remember that he is a young player. You're talking when you're talking about players like Carney, players like Ian, players like Andre, you have to have patience. And it's, I'm not saying that the quality of Chelsea needs to drop and all of that, that you see people going eight or 80, but young players bring inconsistency and the way that they're going to overcome those inconsistencies, if you give them the platform to show what they can do and to gain experience um, when you can. And I think this game showed that he can offer a lot to this team, that he has the quality. And I'm just glad that Pac is, is, is trusting him. Yeah, absolutely. You sort of mentioned about the youngsters and it is interesting. Ian Martin was probably one of my tiny downsides on this. Just the fact that I thought coming off the bench, he did look like a bit bit rusty, a bit shaky. He did want a bit too much time ball, did lose the ball a bit easily. But he came on. It's not easy to get, get used to uh, to the pace of a game. And it's his Premier League debut, I believe, anyway. He literally, I think he played about, I think he, I think his first about Chelsea like 10 game minutes, was, against, was, was Grimsby in the League Cup under Frank. I think I was his only first team appearance before, because then I think he just been on loans. I could be wrong there, but basically, but he basically he's not really played any Premier League football. He's obviously had successful loans at Coventry and Burnley, um, but again, it just shows be patient with him. And on the other side of Madison, I thought Leslie when he came on was very nice, very composed cameo for those few minutes. Didn't do anything, you know, crazy, but just just calmed it down. Did 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 the basics and did what was needed. Um, Jess, I think one player who will miss certainly a lot in Kunku is Nick Jackson. He was great in preseason, but I thought today even without him he was really good he did not get that goal that he would have wanted and yes he did miss chances uh he did miss a couple of good chances and obviously I think without Nkunku he may you know his the chances he gets will probably be less and thus as a result every miss is going to be magnified a bit more um because if he's not got those chances to to live off then every miss just becomes that bit more important but I really love what I saw today 
he he I thought he ran the chance. Well, I thought actually thought but I think there was a moment in the first half where I can't remember it was there's not much of a pass on. I think it's Colwell or Chilwell pings one down there and he gets one and one, he wins it, and then I think he ends up just managing to win a free kick from that situation. And it was just simple stuff like that. It's not getting a goal. I just thought he 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 worked so hard all game. Again, the basics, the bare minimum, etc. But he did that. And he was sort of able to at times to manufacture chance for himself. And then obviously the big moment is that Missy gets him first off. But it's great moving together. I thought that was a really encouraging performance from him. Again, this is a very young, raw striker. He's, I think, 20. He's, I mean, he basically broke out the back end of last season for, for Villarreal. I thought, again, that was encouraging. Against, you know, Van Dijk and Canata, that's like, a, again, good defenders. I thought he more than held his own. That was really encouraging as well. With Nico Jackson, I, I couldn't agree more. I think he was fantastic. Um, based on what I saw today, I am very, very confident that he can lead the line for us in the future. And that is not something to be taken lightly, I think, because even though he's shown us a lot during preseason, it is completely different when you're talking about the Premier League. Um, And if you look back at what the attackers that we had for the past couple of seasons, and you look at what he offered us today in terms of movement, in terms of, you know, the fight that he put up with the center backs, his physicality, his pace. It's just something to be excited about, I think. Um, and with Nkuku's absence, I'm, I don't know yet the kind of attacking midfielder we're going to get, but based on the players that we do have, I'm interested to see more of his um, understanding with players like Mudrik, with Enzo himself, and even with through balls from um, our, our uh, fullbacks, Reese and, and Chile, and also like players like Disasi and Levi Cowell, because even though they are center backs, they can find those passes. Obviously, Thiago can as well. So I want to see runs with the long with the long balls from the center backs. That's what I want to see the most. And in terms of two ones, I think Enzo can be very important there. And maybe if Ian can just calm down, and I think he will, because as as you said before, it didn't. He just he played for just a little bit of amount of time. I think it was like 15 minutes maybe total. But he is also a player that I think can offer a lot in terms of two ones and in terms of making quick runs and and finding each other. So again, Unkuku, big loss. But with Nico, I'm very, very confident for, for the future. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one person we barely mentioned was is Tiago Silva. It just kind of just goes up. Tiago Silva just sort of goes under the radar. We, you know, we praised sort of Zazi for his impact there. We praise Levi, you know, mentioned mentioned Risa, and we haven't really mentioned uh, Chile, but I suppose we will. But Thiago Silva, it just kind of just shows the class of a man that he didn't really put a foot wrong today. And again, that's, you know, he's, you know, less, perhaps less flashy, less obvious than a lot of other players out there today. But he just, you know, you kind of just got the standard solid Thiago Silva performance, which is all we can really asked for there. Jess, Ben Chilwell. I mean, in an attacking sense, he was absolutely brilliant today. I thought and was, that is an area that people sort of have bashed him for. You know, his defence has not really been an issue for Chelsea, but people have bashed him at points for, it, for, it, for him going forward. But again, I thought he certainly played, you know, going forward, he was absolutely great for us today, wasn't he? Yeah, I think, again, I'm going to stop talking about the first first few minutes because, as I said, nobody was was really great in the beginning of the match. So let's just go from minute 25 onward. I think going forward, he was fantastic. I did think, and, and if, you, if you look at three players, Levi Cowell, um, Ben Chiuel, and Thiago Silva, um, there was a little bit of space there. Um, and the reason for that, and, and, and I was being a little bit critical of Chile because I know, and we all know, that Thiago can't, run 
fast anymore. And so he needs to, to be one step ahead of everybody to be able to cover, to offer a proper cover for Levi. And, and Levi had to deal with a lot of one-on-ones. And I felt that maybe it was because of Chile going forward when he didn't have to. But then I understood that that's what, uh, after the interview, that that's what Pop wanted when he talked about Levi maybe occupying that fullback role a little bit more than just a simple like center back in in a back three. And and so I can't fault him for that because he was just doing what the what Pochettino was was asking of him. And I think he was wonderful. And as I said, I think the other players, obviously after uh, halftime, having that talk with Pochettino, we saw a lot of players occupying that space that was left when Chiwa went forward. So that was completely fine. And when we bring in a DM, I think that's what the DM is going to be doing. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, I mean, even Raheem Sterling, I thought, say, was was solid. You know, probably perhaps not as amazing as other performances, but I thought at times his link up with Reese was was decent. I think he probably did tire as the game went on, and I think we'll get onto it. There is a question about the attacking subs late on, but I thought Raheem was was okay there. And as much as there'll be frustration from people that they probably want Madrid Sterling, I think ultimately Raheem Sterling probably offers that defensive discipline which these managers in these big games want. And if Chile is being instructed to play sort of as forward as aggressive there's got to be some you know you've got to sort of level it out somehow and I know it won't be popular with lots of people who want to see Madrid and a lot of people aren't big on Sterling but I think Raheem Sterling kind of you know he 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 did a job today he was not outstanding he was probably like the less glamorous player out there at times and he was a bit frustrating but I thought you know he he kind of did it he kind of did a job today he was like he was okay I was not as maybe I've, I've not seen the general reaction but I'd imagine if there was any Criticism will probably be more towards Sterling, but I was probably not as really. I didn't really have much of an issue with Sterling today, other than Fab. I think he probably stayed on a bit too long, which you know we'll get onto with one of the questions. But Jesse, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I think with Sterling, it's funny because I, um, in terms of his positioning, it was perfect. He this uh, his discipline um, to the tactics that were being implemented was great, as you said. And so that side was great. I think it was probably one of his best games for Chelsea in that sense. But with him, the problem is there's just so much that he can improve on when you're talking about the final third. And I believe that's why a lot of the fans get a little bit frustrated because you have young players that, you know, they're pushing to be part of the, the, the starting 11 that will try something different. Right, that would try a dribble, that would try to create something, and uh, um, certainly is not offering that at the moment. But again, as you said, I think for this game with the tactics that were being, um, you know, that were being employed, how you said Chile just pretty much almost as a winger uh, and wing back slash winger type of role, um, it made sense. And I think Sterling, you know, he he was important in that sense. But I still want to see more for him. I yeah, want to see more movement. I want to see him being more brave, more courageous. And yeah, so hopefully that's something that we will see. Uh, but if, if you if you look at the, uh, his preseason game and what he offered today, for me, that was a plus. Because yeah. for me, during the, his preseason from, was just very poor, in my opinion. I think he played well during like one half during our preseason games out of every every game that he played and so today i think he was very solid so that's already uh something to to be happy about yeah my my only Raheem, if you could just please be aware when the ball has clearly gone off you last there a couple of times well i literally i could see it. i was like Raheem, why are you complaining it's i've seen it it's clearly gone off you and there are a couple of times where we probably should have won corners or get the ball in play but he thought it was going out for a corner end up in a goal kick that kind of stuff does annoy me quite a lot and obviously there were times where i think 
he kind of very weakly did take on a man at points. Obviously, that was restrained. But ultimately, in a big game against it does not surprise me that he started. And I think it's kind of we've seen it. People get frustration with Mudrick, but we saw it under Potter, under Poch, uh, under Frank and Poch now. But in big games, they Raheem Sterling has tended to be you know preferred to someone like Mikhail Mudrick, and you can kind of understand why. And I think with time, we will see Mudrick have more of a role. And I think with tennis. I did not have an issue really with Raheem. Obviously, he frustrated at times, but I did not have an issue at all with him starting today. And I think my only criticism really, which we unto, is him staying on when we did. Um, Jess, I guess we we did see other debutants. See, Malo Gusto came off bench. I thought mixed bag, you know, a couple of really nice moments and then a couple of shaky moments. But again, kind of understandable. His first game, the Premier League against Liverpool, I'm not going to complain too much there. As we mentioned, Leslie, I thought was was pretty was pretty solid. Um, Robert Sanchez, I guess, it, it was maybe the one poorest performer, I guess, maybe that's being, I don't know, a tiny bit harsh, and I am sympathetic, given the fact that, you know, he probably wasn't going to be starting this game until, obviously, the Kepa situation and what has gone on there. So I guess we'll kind of move on to that. Robert Sanchez, um, the first goal, I don't really know if I'd put too much blame. I think the Salah offside goal, he does make it a bit too easy for Salah to score there. I think that is up for him. I thought at times he thought he had longer in the ball than he did. And there were a couple of times I think Diaz or someone got close to him and tried charging him down. He nearly gave me a heart attack at the end with that pass, but went straight to a Liverpool player. But thankfully it led to nothing. But what I did like, I thought he came and claimed ball very well in his area, which again is not what we got with Kepa. So that for me was just a plus. Uh, but we just what were your thoughts on, on Sanchez? And obviously we'll talk about now Kepa, a season long loan to Real Madrid. Fair, fair play to the lad that after another seven years of very iffy performances, he's somehow managed to get a move to Real Madrid. Obviously, that is due to Thibaut Courtois' very serious injury. Um, Jess, just so thoughts on Robert Sanchez. And I believe there's a certain goalkeeper that you would like Chelsea to go after now, seeing as Kepp is likely off to Real Madrid. So uh, give your thoughts on Sanchez and who this goalkeeper that we were you would like mm. Chelsea to sign is. Yeah, um, Sanchez. It, I'm, I'm not going to be too critical, I think, of any player today because of the circumstances. Uh, as you said, a lot of them were, you know, were the first game for a lot of them in, in terms of the Premier League. Um, even the subs, it was just, I think, just little time for you to, to be fair to say, like Malagusto, you mentioned. I don't think he played a lot of minutes to be able to say whether or not he was great or not. So I, I don't want to be too critical here. Um, and, but you pointed out the exact thing that I wrote down, which was the high claims of the box, uh, of the ball in the box, just the, the way that he commended his, his box, I think was fantastic. And it was something that we missed a lot. And also his uh, distribution for me, even with the mistakes that I could see, I could see where it was going to, where it is going to lead us. I think it is improvement in terms of distribution. I think it is an improvement in terms of um, how to to deal with process, how to deal with um, the communication amongst the, the the back line, and how he is unafraid to to claim the, those balls that we didn't see Kepa claim really. Um, and as far as uh, Kepa's loan, I have um, I haven't really made up my mind yet on whether or not I think is the right move just because it will depend a lot on the goalkeeper that we bring in because, I mean, if we had sold, um, if, if we had um, sold him permanently, I would have one opinion, but because it's a straight loan um, and obviously he, he, when he comes back, he will have, he will still have one year on his contract. So 
we would have to deal with that and potentially have free senior goalkeeper on our books. And it would be something uh, potentially scary to deal with because of his high, high wages. So I don't know what the plan was here. Maybe it was to do with his high wages and getting one year uh, one year out of your books there. So maybe that was the reason behind it. Um, so I'm just going to not comment too much about whether or not I, I think it was the right decision because I need to see who we bring in. And because there were a lot of links to goalkeepers that I'm not crazy about, I'm going to be honest with you that I, I don't think should be coming to Chelsea at all. Um, but if we were to buy someone like a certain goalkeeper from a Brazilian club called Atlético Paranaense, a goalkeeper called Bento, I would be very happy. Do I see it happening? No, I do not. But would I love it? Yes. I think he is an incredible goalkeeper, incredibly, incredibly well-rounded. You can't see uh, an area of weakness in his game. He's still 24. Um, he wouldn't be expensive at all because Atlético Paranaense are out of Libertadores. It wouldn't be impossible to get him now, even if the window is closed in Brazil and they wouldn't have, wouldn't be able to buy anyone to be a, a replacement, an immediate replacement. Because they're out of, of Copa Libertadores, I don't think it would be impossible at all. Um, his wages wouldn't be um, very, very large. And also, he would be okay coming in to be a number two um, if he had just the the minutes to show what he can do and potentially be a number one in the future. So he would be okay being the number two. He was linked with Inter uh, and Benfica, and he was linked with Inter even after they bought Summer. So he, he, and he wanted to go. He really wanted to go even to be a number two, because I think that's what Allison did back when he went to, uh, to Homa. So he stayed one year as a number two and then eventually became the number one. And mentioning Allison, he is the player that I think Bento looks the most with in terms of attributes and in terms of characteristics. If I had to describe him in a simple way, I would say, and I take this from Peter, um, who is a friend who does analysis and he's also on Twitter. And he says a lot, uh, he said this and it's perfect, uh, that Bento is Allison before he moved to, to Homa. And I couldn't say it any better. That describes him to a T. So he would be one that I would be incredibly, incredibly happy if we were to get. Right, there you go. Chelsea's transfer people. Listen to Jess. There's your there's your Kepa solution. Uh, Jess, obviously, the match did see Reese James and Bencho. Well, I mean, just, just seeing them two play a game together is quite nice. Pretty solid. Reese James captain, Bencho, our vice captain. I like it a lot. I also think it kind of avoids a potentially difficult situation with Thiago Silva. Again, I'm not saying Thiago Silva would be a, a difficult character to do it, but I think it does. The fact that you have Reese captain, Chile vice captain, they are players who you'd think are certainly you feel comfortable saying are here beyond this season where you necessarily can't say the same for Thiago. It gives them good experience. And I think it just potentially gives, makes it Poch's life a bit easier because there will, there may well be games that Thiago Silva is a fact. Chelsea have a lot of centre-backs, but I mean, Benoit Badiashile is, is to come back um, as well. And we saw Dezazi and Colwell today as well, alongside Silva. Just your thoughts on Reese being captain and Chile being vice-captain? I think it was a perfect choice, to be honest. Um, I saw a lot of people th saying that it was potentially uh, disrespectful to Thiago Silva. Um, I don't think that's the case at all. Um, 
Tiago is a very down-to-earth person. He's very hardworking, and he will be a captain if he has the armband or not. He will behave like a captain. Um, if I had to bet, I would bet that he talked with Hawk about it. He 100% knows that this is a transitional period for Chelsea and also for himself. You know, he's not naive. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if he were somehow involved in the choice. And as for the choice itself, I think it makes complete sense. You're talking about your starting fullbacks, and I don't think Thiago will be a starter in every game, as you said, maybe in the major games, obviously, when you want to play with a back tree. Uh, but I, I am expecting him to to be on the bench quite a lot and to change with Dezazi. Um And even, as you said, Badia Shil, who's coming back, thankfully. Um, and obviously, as for Reese, I mean, he bleeds blue, right? If you, you couldn't have anyone better than him. You, his dream was to be captain for Chelsea. His father gave a lot of interviews about it before, a, a couple of years ago, before uh, Reese was captain. And it's ju it just makes sense. And it just makes us proud as Chelsea fans, I think, to see someone from the academy, someone who understands Chelsea, someone who who wanted to be captain since he was a kid to achieve that. And you just have to read that, that letter, right. That, you know, the Reese letter that he wrote to himself and it's just so emotional and heartfelt and you get the meaning of what it means to us as fans, but also what it means to him as, as a player, as a Chelsea player. And it just makes completely sense, complete sense for me. Uh, same for Chile. I think he is someone who, who I kind of took that role a little bit um, during um I think even during last season, um, I mean, outside of the pitch as well. And since Pochettino came over, you can always see that Chiuel is one of the players that is always next to him, trying to understand and trying to talk and be that um, middleman almost between the manager and the other players. And that is also uh, one of the roles of the captain. So for me, it makes perfect sense. I'm completely happy with the with the um, appointments, let's say. And also after Chile and Reese left you saw you know um Tiago with the armband as well so it shows how they are they everyone respects him and I think it shows that he is sort of a mentor in that sense for for the both of them so I was I'm, I'm quite happy with it I'm using that word a lot happy and <laughs> it's just funny when you think about the situation that we were in last season and now to have that um, happiness and positive view and the optimism going forward um, for this season. It's just funny, but it's also obviously very, very nice. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yep, it is. It is. And there is potentially more good news, a more happy feeling, and optimism on the way. Dare I say that the Moises Caicedo saga is slowly, slowly inching, inching towards. Its conclusion, Christ, just this has been a very long, drawn out saga. I mean, I feel like it's it's probably getting close to sort of the Enzo level saga in January, but this has been like three months. This has been even this has been three times a leg, but 
I wake up, I wake up one morning last week and all of a sudden Liverpool are gone for him. And I'm like, what? Chelsea, what have you done? You've had three months to sort this out. And then a matter of hours later, oh no, it's fine. He's back to Chelsea. Um, Jess, just talk to me. Your thoughts, your thoughts. This has been a crazy long drawn out saga. I kind of just need this done just so I can just move on and just like all that energy that's just been expelled. I can just like, it can just be gone. I don't have to expel any more energy because it has been, it's been one, it's been hard to keep up with really, to be honest. But uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, Moises has parted the Red Sea and is on his way to Chelsea. Um, Your thoughts? Because Uh, we've not even mentioned Tyler Adams in all this. Yeah. We'll get on to that in a bit, but give your thoughts. First thought, A plus for the biblical pun. Uh, as a Catholic person, 100% approved. Love it. Um, as for, for Moises Caicedo, oh my God. Again, roller coaster. We were Chelsea fans. We wouldn't have it any other way. But if it happens, and it's an if right now, obviously we are positive it's going to happen. But until he's signed, I'm not going to say he's, I'm, I'm going to say he's a Brighton player and anything can happen. But is obviously the position that we, have been crying out for for so long. And that's what makes me okay with the fee. I don't think he is a 100 plus million pound player, but because of the circumstances that we are in, because of the position, and because I believe that he would would 100% immediately upgrade us and take us to that next level, I think that we need to get it done. I think we will get it done as we are recording this. Ben Jacobs just tweeted that Chelsea aimed to have his medical done within 48 hours. So 48 hours FC is back, um, which also is a good sign in a way, I think. Um, But as for the player um, himself, I'm just, he's fantastic, right? He is a really great player. Um, As I said, because he has that A, because he's a young player. So he fits with our transfer mode that we are seeing now um but at the same time he he has that experience where players like Andre who I absolutely love and Lavia who we are also linked with just don't necessarily have or not not even experienced but just I think he's a level above those two at the moment in time not talking about higher ceiling or whatever but at the moment in time he is readier I think in terms of a of, of ready-made player and it, it would be fantastic. Now that Nkuku is injured, if we have Caicedo, I will say that he is the signing of, of the summer for us. Yep. And there was a crazy stab that went around, but Moises Caicedo hadn't even made his Premier League debut when Chelsea, when there was a goal last in a Chelsea and Liverpool game, um, which I guess just tells more to the tale of just how distinctly average the two games were last season. Uh, and the two, how crazy the two cup ones were to end nil nil um yeah that would absolutely be huge and Jess I think you know I kind of said last week I do think Simon Cosset really couldn't be the difference between Chelsea challenging for top four and not challenging for top four Christopher Nkunku is a blow and I think that very unfortunately does do a lot of damage to our top four hopes but Moises it does feel that if Nkunku had been fit and Moises Caicedo was derived you suddenly go from thinking actually Chelsea put a very good chance to get in top four whereas before you were thinking maybe we could challenge and even just on the evidence of today Without Caicedo, there was a lot to like. And I guess it is encouraging that there's the potential that Caicedo could really propel us into champ, get us, getting us Champions League football, which many of us probably didn't really see coming before this season started. Again, it's early days. 
but it does feel that that transfer does sort of have that potential impact on this side. It does feel very transformative. I mean, it's, you know, to draw a very lazy, it does sort of almost, but it could almost be N'Golo Kante-esque to, to this think... Chelsea team going forward. Not saying it will propel that ch- Chelsea to a title like Kante did, and that Chelsea team was already very good there, but it did just elevate Chelsea to another level. And it does feel that this could elevate Chelsea to another level. Yeah, I agree. And I think part of the reason that he can be so transformative is again, because of Enzo. Because I just think this partnership can allow Enzo to be the best version that Enzo can be. And I believe that Enzo is just a world-class player and can be a world-class player for us for a long time. So it, for me, it's about Caicedo, obviously not taking out, you know, he he is a wonderful player. But to know that you can have that partnership, um, they're both very young, both with high high ceiling um, in terms of, of the potential that they can reach and that you can have them. We know that how crazy long the contracts are being. So to know that we can have that, that partnership for, I don't know, five, six years, it's just something um, to be very, very optimistic about if it does happen. And again, now I'm positive, but let's get the here we go, the Orny Bomba, whatever. And then I'll, I'll be able to calm down from, from this because the saga has been crazy, right? The negotiations for two months, all of that, and which I have a lot of thoughts on. And then you have the Liverpool thing. And if we get Caicedo, I think 90% of it is down to Caicedo, actually. Um, so already bleeds blue. Already love him. Lovely love. So hopefully that one can get over the line, because that would be very nice to potentially have him lining up at West Ham next week. Just Tyler Adams, that one sort of came out of nowhere. We thought we were siding him, everything done. And then all of a sudden, nope. Because I said the deal kind of spot banging into life. And as it turns out, Tyler Adams, you know, did it, was injured, was going to miss start time. Look, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm, I was not big on us signing Tyler Adams. And again, very lazily after seeing Conor Gallagher today. Again, I know him and Tyler Adams are very different players. But after seeing Conor Gallagher today, I'm kind of going, well, I don't really see why we need to spend 20 or million on Tyler Adams to be a squad player when we have someone like Connor and that was kind of my stance and I feel kind of relieved that that's sort all of unhappy with that stance has been you know reinforced and sort of backed up because I you know I think seeing Connor today kind of just really removes the need for Tyler Adams um but obviously that deal has not done and then who knows maybe he will end up at Brighton as a Moises Caicedo replacement and that would be a good move for him and just Romeo Lavia um a player that has sort of been linked with Chelsea for a while there were talks being the the summer window last year when he just signed for Southampton at the end Chelsea were trying to trying to get him which was which was just crazy but he kind of assumed all this time like he would be going to Liverpool um but there's a chance there's a chance he comes to Chelsea and ugh, that midfield gets more even more packed and Poch has even more options I don't know I'm kind of just all on because I say is the only one I really care about and anything else is a bonus, uh, but just your thoughts on on, on the Lavia situation. Same as you, really. For me, Kaiseido is the one, the priority. Anything else is a bonus. Um, I think it depends on how much Joe Shields push for him and how much Lavia wants to join Liverpool because he will probably be a starter for Liverpool. And if we were playing 4-2-3-1, he wouldn't be a starter for us. Obviously, we could think about three men midfield where he would start alongside um, Enzo e Casado, but there are more questions, I think, in terms of the minutes that he will get if he were to come to Chelsea. Um, I am still expecting Lavia to end up at Liverpool um, and Caicedo at Chelsea. 
Um, and I would be okay with that, really, because Caicedo is, is the one that I really, really want. But Lavia is a wonderful player. I think he's a wonderful player. And if Chelsea gets him, even, you know, something to be even more happy, you know, even more excited about for the future. But if we were to get two midfielders, Lavia or whoever else, then I think it means, it could mean a lot of things, actually. It can mean maybe Andre leaves on loan. It can mean that definitely Connor gets sold. So it is hard to, to estimate just um, how different the squad will be at the end of the window because there are so many questions. Um, everyone, every journalist still insists that Connor is, I, would, I don't know if, if he is for sale, but he's definitely not, not for sale. Um, so if we get the, the right offer, I think he would move. Or I think the club would like would sell him because of the profit and all of those financial reasons. So again, just get Mikaicero. We will see about everything else after we get him over the line. And I will celebrate if we bring Lavia in. I, as I said, I think he's a great player, but Caicedo is the one that I think will just take us to that next level, even though the fee is quite astronomical. Yep. Yep. Before we move on to listener questions, obviously, Scrape News, Chelsea drew AFC Wimbledon in the Carabao Cup second round. So that should be a nice opportunity to advance and see some youngsters, some youngsters that we will go on to talking about now. Will we see them? Will they be on loan by then? Or will this be the last game they maybe play before they go on loan? Let's start there. First question comes in from Connor. I know you'll love to speak on this. What do you think is in store for Andre Santos, considering he didn't feature against Liverpool despite having a good preseason and Leslie coming on ahead of him? Going out alone, possibly, or just not the right game for him? Because obviously, uh, Jess, where is, you know, if Caicedo comes in as well, that will have an impact on on Andre Santos. There is a, a sort of Patman Field there. Connor, you know, sort of pressed his case today. Leslie did come on ahead of him and, and was fairly solid. Do you think that Andre Santos could potentially. I don't know. Do you do you read too much into to this to this game with Andre Santos? Just just your thoughts. I wouldn't read too much. Um, just based on this game, um, I think you could still leave unknown, but I think it depends on the players that we bring in. I think if the squad was the one that it is today, plus Caicedo, I don't think he would be leaving. Um, as you said, I think I will call him Ugo. I'm sorry, just because I really don't want to butcher his name, and I really can't say his name right now, so I apologize. Um, I think he came came in before, like you know, Andre, because of of his attributes. He's much more of a six than Andre is. Um, I know Andre has been playing a lot closer to the center backs for in, during preseason, but back in Brazil, he was much more um, of a box to box midfielder. Even though he has defensive um, attributes, he he likes to go forward. He you know he, he scores goals. He moves a lot like. SEN back in the day, obviously not saying they're at the same level, but in terms of characteristics. So I think it had more to do with where we were at during the game. But even then, it felt a little bit weird. I'm not going to lie. But I think it was more to do with with uh, where we were at and what Pac was trying to you know, take out of that game. Because um, what, I, I, what I saw from Andre during preseason was his ability to play under pressure. So even though he was a lot closer to the center backs, he was almost like a point of distribution, like calmly receiving the ball under pressure and then um, um, moving it vertically. Um, but that wasn't required at the moment that Ugo came on. It was more about imposing himself physically. And he is 
obviously a lot larger, um, a lot more physical than Andreas and a lot taller as well. If you're talking about, you know, those last minutes where usually uh, clubs try to just spam crosses all, you know, all over. So I think it was more a decision based on, on the game itself than anything else. But I wouldn't say Andre won't leave alone, but not based on this, on this game alone. Yeah, fair enough. I'll move off to Valentina. said maybe, maybe he gets opportunity in the Carabao Cup before he has. Oh, one, yeah. One thing that I would like to add though, is that the positive with Andre staying for me is that he is versatile. So if we were to continue playing with that pivot, he can play in both roles, and he has played in both roles when he were play- he when he was playing back for Brazil in the under twenties. So that's something that can offer him a little bit more minutes. I think during the cups maybe or something like that, where he can play the Enzo role. Let's say obviously different characteristics. He's not as creative, but he can he can be playing there. So that's something that I'm looking forward to if he stays with us. Next questions come in from Dita. Should we be worried about the injury of Reese James? Dieter, don't worry. Uh, Potts just said Reese was tired, so he's not injured. And obviously, when I was in the stadium, I didn't really see any sign of an injury. I just think you've got to remember Reese has, again, in preseason minutes wouldn't was, would have played, but wouldn't have necessarily had the huge, huge volume. He's also was obviously coming back from injury as well. And I think ultimately, 75 minutes in, he's just gassing. We just got to look after Reese. Um, so not to worry. And we have Gusto on the bench. So I think it just sort of makes sense there. And the second question, who was your man of the match? I mean, just there were a lot, a lot of candidates. I think for me, it's probably between two. And I think I know which one I'm going to go with. And I think given how you know which one much, I'm much go. praise you waxed over him earlier, I think you're going to say Enzo Fernandez. yes? 100%. Enzo, my man. Yeah, Dita, I would say Enzo Fernandez. Well, I'd have Conor Gallagher a close second because I do think he allowed Enzo to, to thrive. And then third, I would probably have someone like Levy. Levy. I was genuinely, like, hugely, hugely impressed. I did not watch, I've not watched as much of Levi Colwell as a lot of other people have, I've kind of taken and listened to the opinions of people who, who know their stuff and watch a lot of football and rate him very highly to, to form some of my opinion. But watching him today, I was, you're genuinely like, I hate to use that full letter word, but it, there was a, there was a bit of an aura around watching Levi Colwell today. He was, he was outstanding. I think it's big things to come. Those would be my three man matches, but yeah, Enzo Fernandez. It's, it's the X factor. Yeah. It's what's, it's the X factor. He has the X factor. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from Demis. Do you think the attacking changes should have been made early? Because just Chelsea did not make a sub. Because I, I looked at this because I was in the same. I saw sort of, Chelsea's first substitute was in the 76th minute, which was Reese James from Malagusta. And then in terms of an attacking change, it was the 81st minute where we saw Ian Martin come on for Carney and Mudrick for Sterling. Um, Dean, first, I think Sterling probably should have been off about five, ten minutes earlier. I think the reason we kind of were reluctant to make changes, I just genuinely think we, we were in a good place in the game. We had relatively good control of our game. And I just think there wasn't actually the huge need to make change. I think the only change, the first change I would have made would, if obviously without Reese being tired, was, would have been taking Sterling off for Madrid, would have been, you know, doing that sub earlier. But in general, I didn't have it really much of an issue with the late subs because I thought we were controlling that game very well. We were, we were, you know, in a good position. But just, just your thoughts. Do you think we should have made attacking changes a bit earlier? Yeah, I do. I, I really do. Um, between the first half and the second half, I would have made a lot more changes. But obviously, we didn't make any change, uh, any changes. And then when we came back, um, a lot of players that I, that I wouldn't have, uh, you know, that I wouldn't have brought back started playing really well. 
Um, so that, you know, that goes, um, that, that goes there. Um, but then, as you said, around the time that we brought in Malagusto, I think it would be, would have been perfect to, to, to have brought in Mudrik as well around the 70, 75 minute mark. Definitely. Yeah, no, exactly. I think, you know, Raheem Stern did certainly look, all the attacks out there did look one that sort of tired a bit quickly. I just think, you know, could be maybe giving Mudrik a bit more time to get into the game, Dean, but generally that was sort of my only real goal. I actually really like that we didn't sort of seem to make changes for changes sake and that you know Poch saw Poch like what we saw I like what I saw uh so yeah uh next question comes in from Dan sort of similar-ish note cracking an encouraging start to the season but what does Mudrick have to do to get a game over Sterling Sterling is a waste of personified and needs to be sold ASAP harsh from you there Dan I mean I think just we kind of talked about it earlier and I know people are like, but I think just ultimately Sterling tactically probably did what Poch wanted to do better than Mudrick could do and was, again, a safer option. You know someone who will probably do the role better than Mudrick. I think I wouldn't necessarily read too much into it. I'm not shocked or surprised that a manager has gone for the more experienced option over a younger... And again, you've got to remember there were also a lot of... You know, there were debutants in Mascot. There were younger players. I understand why he would want that experience. Jess, would you kind of just say it was ultimately for sort of tactical instruction? Obviously we can have our gripes at Raheem Sterling going forward and, you know, taking on his man at points, etc., which we've already discussed. But do you just think ultimately it was it was just tactical for this game against Liverpool, but we, we would have to probably work quite a lot harder off the ball as well, which Sterling probably provides more than Mudrick. I believe so. I think if we were playing with a DM and we were playing with fullbacks instead of winger uh winbacks or just the instruction for for Chihuahua was a little bit different and not just you know as we saw just go forward 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 um I would have been a lot more frustrated um about Mudrik not starting but I think he will start more and more as the season go, goes on I think if we're talking about an abstract view I would like Mudrik to be seen as a as you know as part of the starting 11 um, and even maybe Noni Madueke as well, who needs to come back from injuries. But it's just good to have options and to know that we have different players with different attributes that can offer things depending on the opposition and depending on the system that the, the manager wants to play. Um, but I, as I said, because Sterling is lacking in terms of the final third and the final uh, third, I do understand the frustration um, from, from part of the fan base. And I get frustrated um during moments of the game as well. But as you said, I understand the choice for this game um, in particular, but we have to see going forward what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Next question comes in from AJ. We were supposedly playing a back three. Both Tazazi and Cole were so narrow and allowing easy balls into Salah and Diaz when they could have positioned themselves to stop it. And this happened multiple times in the game. Was it deliberate or was it player mistakes? I think this is a tough question. In the beginning, in the very beginning of the game, as we we were talking about the first 25 minutes, I think there were a lot of positional mistakes. And I'm not just talking about uh, the two that were called in terms of centre-backs. I think a lot of people were just occupying the wrong spaces. Um, But then it slowly shifted. And I think after the, the Pochettino interview, things got a little bit more clear in terms of what he wanted and what he expected the the, the system to be like. And I think we've talked about it before, you know, about the Chiu going forward and, and Levi being more, occupying more the, the fullback. Um, but it, it, in terms of the, the, the way that uh, Levi was narrow, I think that changed it, that also changed during the game. I think that changed... 
But as for the space being occupied behind his back, again, it's because of the the tactics that we were employing with Chiwo being so higher up the pitch and the lack of a DM. But again, Pop was able, in my opinion, was able to correct that. Um, also, because with Thiago Silva and the fact that he is not as fast as he, as, as he once was, but Pop was able to correct that as the game went on. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be too critical of the players, N- not even not even like Disasi, particularly not Disasi for for it being the first game that we actually saw him with everybody. Yeah, no, exactly. And I said I think he very much grew into the game. I think Vistop, there are a couple of times I think maybe his distribution of Vistop went off a tiny bit, giving the ball away, and obviously there's a question mark of goal. But generally after that, I thought he just just really grew into the game, and he just looked so solid and commanding by the time that the full-time whistle had gone. Uh, the final question comes in from RJ. If you were Poch, what would be your three key takeaways, positive and negative, from this display? I mean, RJ, I'll be brutal. I am going to probably struggle to find three negatives because that would be really me nitpicking. And that would basically be me saying, Ian Martin off a bench, I do not think had the performance that we wanted from him to come on. But I'm also, this is a guy on... And again, I repeat, I'm not 100% for sure, but I'm pretty sure this is Premier League debut for Chelsea. And this is probably only his second ever game for Chelsea. Um, and then, the, you know, I thought Malo Gusta off bench had some good and some bad moments in that those 15 minutes or so. Like, you're being negative. Like, you've been the game, me saying Robert Sanchez was, was shaky at points. But again, um, you're applying context and going in that he probably wasn't even going to be playing until we kept the situation arose. He's not played with any of these players in preseason. So that would be the, you know, I'd be struggling to find real negatives, RJ. I guess, RJ, if you want me that we we miss chances again. But at the same time, we've got a young striker in Nicholas Jackson who I want to be, I want to give a lot of leeway to, but I thought his move, as we mentioned earlier, I thought his movement was great. He got himself into those positions. He created chances for himself. He worked so hard. Obviously, he did miss a couple of one-ones, but also Allison is a very, a very good, a good goalkeeper as well. Like it, it's tough. There were a lot of, and we've talked about it, RJ, there were a lot of positives for me. Like we talked about the individuals as well, but genuinely, and I said this, the fact that Chelsea conceded a goal and didn't capitulate, if that had been last season, I feel Chelsea could have gone on and lost that game 3 or 4-0 and Liverpool wouldn't have even had to be that good to to do that to us. But we fought back and that was just really, that was a positive for me. But already, one game in, you see a, you see a, a sort of hurdle present itself and this team found a way, and they more than found a way, they then got, you know, before obviously VAR intervened, got himself, you know, ahead within a match of minutes after going behind that was you know I guess a big positive obviously about, we talked about performances Levi brilliant Connor brilliant Enzo brilliant but just genuinely the heart that I saw in that team but was nice there's something I've just not seen in a Chelsea team for a long time that I went away from that game really happy I'm like this is probably the happiest I've been on a pod talking about a game for a very long time RJ I'm just genuinely so delighted right now what I saw I am I was buzzing leaving that ground I was buzzing, just messaging, made some various WhatsApp groups, just going, how good was that? How good did we play? And this is the first game of a new season under Pochettino. Just the fact that I saw a team, and I said it on the season preview, I don't have, you know, I, I would love us to get Champions League. I would love us to beat all these big teams. I would love us to be super, super successful, of course. But I want a team that is fun and that, that is enjoyable to watch. And I got that today. And I got a team as well, on top of that, was brave and fought till the end. And that's all I can really ask. That was my positive. Jess, your sort of, your takeaways from from this game. In terms of negative, it, it is hard to find. Uh, as, as same as you, it's hard for me to find three negatives, just because I don't want to go to individual players. 
uh, and individual performances because of the circumstances that we already yeah. talked about, the debuts, um, a different system that we were seeing in preseason, um, players coming uh, um, off the bench with a little amount of minutes. So I can't sit here and say, well, the first 25 minutes were not great, but then the players did really well. And then for me to look at Ian Matson and say he yeah. was poor when he just had 15 minutes and, you know, young players, inconsistencies, exactly. all those factors. I don't want I don't want to focus on any individual. So it's hard to find negatives. The one negative that I will say, and, and I'm saying that as a negative, but I think it will be corrected as time goes on, is the amount of time that we take in the starting halves to 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 just be in the game. So in the first half, it was a long period. It was like 25 minutes until we find our footing. But even when we came back for um, from, from second season, the first few minutes, uh, uh, Liverpool looked um, a lot more life like livelier than, than we did. And it took us a few minutes to get back to the end of the first half. And the, the, so that's something that I want to see correct uh, corrected going forward. And in terms of positives, there are tons, both from individual performances, um, but also the word that I would use would be identity. I could see an identity being, you know, being formed. I, I And that gives me optimism for what we're going to see this season. Um, and I know you asked for three, but I think this is such a huge one uh, because it's something that we were completely lacking um, last season that this is the one that I want to take as the big, big thing for me. Um, obviously, if we add a DM and all the plans that we are seeing that we are trying to do, it's just incredible for me. And I just can't wait till we see more of it in the next few games. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you to everyone who sent in a question. Hopefully we answered them as best as we could. Yeah, the season is back. Chelsea are back. That was a really fun way to start. A lot of excitement to build on. Um, Before we go, Jess, give yourself one last plug where people can find you and all your tweets. Um, Yeah, if if you want to interact and and I'm always open to you know, talking about Chelsea and all things football, you can find me at uh, J under underline Frota, F-R-O-T-A. And um, again, just um, talking with you, Nick, thank you so much for, for having me. I'm sorry for always babbling and ranting and it's been an honor, a pleasure. It's always great being here. Um, as you know, I'm a huge fan of the pod and of yourself. So I'm very, very happy to be here and thank you so much. Thank you, Jess. It is always a pleasure getting you on. I know a lot of people enjoyed what you had to say last week in that brief 15-minute cameo, and we brought you back for an hour or so today. Um, as for us, we are on Twitter at that Chelsea Pod. We are on Freds. I know no one really uses it, but we are on there. You can interact with us on there. There is also uh, the email that I've set up if people do want to get in contact with the show, um, and that is that Chelsea Pod at gmail.com uh, that's all lowercase if you want to get in contact with us there as said thank you for all the love and appreciation we received on the episode last week really excited for the season ahead this was a really fun one to do really excited to see what we're the season we're going to have under Mauricio Pochettino um, hopefully it can be a bit more like this today but until the next episode everybody keep the blue flag flying high Sports Social Podcast Network <laughs>